The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. Hello and thanks for joining me for another episode of Climate Matters. I'm Lindsay Wood, Director of Climate Strategy Company Resilience Limited, and Climate Matters is brought to you by Fresh FM, the top of the South's community access radio station. Fresh FM broadcasts in Blenheim on 88.9, to Eastern Golden Bay on 95.0, to the Nelson CBD on 107.2, and across the Nelson-Tasman region on 104.8. It's also streamed to the planet on freshfm.net and podcasts of Climate Matters and of other locally produced shows are available through freshfm.net and through the accessmedia.nz app. Well, tonight, today we go into the the archives and we're going to have a look at Climate Matters 51, which came out in late November 2020. And the theme of Climate Matters 51 was trees. And the topics we covered were urban trees get a hand in Sierra Leone and a handicap in New Zealand. We reference a book called The Age of Wood and also touch on village-scale forestry. Then we challenge the question of generating electricity from wood with an example from Britain. We talk a little bit about the wall of wood, which you may have heard of. That's the huge lot of wood that was planted in the first round of the emissions trading scheme and it was now approaching harvest time and also associated with pests and fires and so on. And then putting the Billion Trees program in context along with a hot tip as we usually do. So if we want to get into it, let's start with the little editorial that I I wrote. And there's been so much uh, news in my three-week absence that I'd had just then that uh, in spite of the US and New Zealand elections and the EDS conference and more, it's concurrent reports on timber that I've featured in Climate Matters 51. Okay, so here we go um, into the first article. Now you see them, now you don't. Trees here today and gone tomorrow. While the TED Radio Hour mentioned on Radio New Zealand on the 15th of November, remember that's 2020, uh, just reported Yvonne Akisoya, who is the mayor of Sierra Leone's capital, Freetown, being elected on a pledge to a forest the city, It's hard to think of tropical cities needing a forestation, isn't it? But while that was happening in Sierra Leone, New Zealand's own government was legislating to make it harder to plant rural forests. Farmers Weekly reported on that. Unfortunately, the link to that has now expired, so I can't give you a link now. And while New Zealand has its Billion Trees program, AVAZ, A-V-A-A-Z, reports... 15 billion trees are chopped down every year, 476 every single second. That's our rainforests, jungles and woodlands being decimated to make space for ever more cattle, palm oil and soybeans. That's all a quotation. And I also sent a link to a stop deforestation campaign, but that also has expired, unfortunately. 
Now we go to the age of wood, our most useful material, and the construction of civilization. Hot off the press comes a remarkable book for our time. Roland Enos, who's a professor of biological science in Hull University in the UK, offers a commanding sweep of biology and culture and wishes that his writing builds more respect for wood and trees. He, the, the book is actually called The Age of Wood, and interestingly enough, I had a very minor role in that. Roland contacted me to help evaluate what he wanted to write on the Pacific and Australasian regions. It's a book when I received a complimentary copy that absolutely blew me away with its sweep and, and its depth going into culture, and I got a great deal out of it, even though I'd only seen a little corner of it before. Someone who would agree with Roland Enos is celebrated environmental writer Fred Pierce, and I always think Fred Pierce is worth reading. Uh, in the latest Yale E360 News, that is the latest that was two years ago, he contrasts official views on commercial forestry with on-the-ground evidence of village-scale practices and their benefits and comes out very much on the side of the village-scale forestry. There was a link to the article called Small Scale Loggers, and we'll put that on the website. But here's anything but traditional, astonishing numbers on electricity from biofuel. And I would say they're astonishingly bad numbers. If you Google Drax Power Station, that's D-R-A-X, which is the name of a village in Yorkshire, I think, if you Google Drax Power Station, it links to England's largest generating plant, the Drax Power Station, which the plant supplies 6% of all of UK's electricity, and two-thirds of that, i.e. 4% of UK's electricity, is powered by biofuel. Now, that sounds promising, doesn't it? Until we read that in 2017, this is reading on Wikipedia, in 2017, Drax needed timber output equal to, get this, 12,000 square kilometres of forest. Where did that come from? Mostly North America. So North America cleared 12,000 square kilometres of forest and shipped it to a special port in Hull, or near Hull in the UK, and then it went to, it was freighted to the Drax power station. And you imagine the supply chain of 12,000 square kilometers of timber going there. But then if you think that that's only 4% of the UK's electricity supply, if you do the maths and imagine supplying all of the UK's electricity from timber like that, it would actually take an astonishing 300,000 square kilometers and that's about 24% bigger than the whole of the UK, which is about 242,000 square kilometres. In other words, you could cover the whole of Britain in trees and still not grow enough timber to create electricity for the same country. So we better just think of that sort of equation when we're anybody promoting using timber to generate electricity here. I had a quote in the form of a, a note to the Prime Minister. Dear Prime Minister, a gentle reminder. You said New Zealand will not be a slow follower when you were speaking to the zero carbon bill. Passing the bill last year was just the start. 
The next item is which wall of wood? Policies and pests send timber in every direction. And just to put that in context, you may have heard of the wall of wood that is referred to in New Zealand where we have basically a huge lot of planting that went on in the 1990s um, as part of the original emissions trading scheme planting. And then that, there were the carbon forests, you may have heard of them described that way. And all of that is reaching harvest time in New Zealand. So we've got this massive amount of timber about to be chopped down. The question was how to make good use of it without it reverting back to methane or carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Anyway, linking that to the Drax power station, Drax wouldn't work at, this, at the time of writing with Russian timber. This is, of course, well before the Ukraine war because the Russians had just prohibited timber exports and they were possibly the reason why Chinese buyers started to look more strongly at New Zealand and Australia. So the Russians were banning timber export. In contrast, premature harvesting of pest-infested European forests might cause a global glut, while higher United States-Canadian tariffs could see the Chinese goods dumped here in New Zealand. So look at all of that. We've got Russian bans on timber, the EU trying to export a whole lot because they've had to chop down stuff that was pest infested. We've got US and Canadian tariffs affecting Chinese goods and all of it has an impact on us here. Meanwhile, harvesting New Zealand's emissions trading scheme plantations of the 1990s remains another wall of wood problem awaiting a solution. Should we put more into buildings, real walls of wood, storing carbon from the carbon dioxide? Or should we delay harvesting and enhance the CO2 they're soaking up? Or just accept the damage to our emissions profile and export logs, largely for packaging and pallets and that sort of thing, which then revert to harmful carbon dioxide in just a few years? No easy solution for all the wood that's around. Now, I said I'd put our billion trees in context, and here they are. You know that there's a program to plant a billion trees in New Zealand. Well, pre-European Māori cleared some 6.7 million hectares of forest, and Europeans, since they arrived, have cleared a further 8 million. To put that in context, our billion trees program might occupy 10% of that cleared area, perhaps between 1 and 2 million hectares and sequester a total of some 25 million tonnes carbon dioxide per year, or about a third of our country's present gross emissions. Lots of maths here, I'm sorry, and now I'm going to have a go at ad-libbing with some mental arithmetic. So if 25 million tonnes a year is about the, what the billion trees harvested, and it's only 10% of what we have lost you will find that the deforestation by a combined Maori and European um, endeavours, for want of a better word, has resulted in emissions increases three times what they are now. In other words, if we hadn't chopped down that forest, we would be soaking up carbon three times as much as we're emitting at present. That's food for thought. And there are maps in... Tane's Tree Trust, wonderful organisation, and also in uh, 
in Tiara, uh, the, the New Zealand online resources. Let's go now to a hotter tip for a cooler planet. Very simple, buy less stuff. Every product, clothing, cosmetics and construction, as well as cars and cows, has a climate cost. Delaying purchases or reducing the quantity of purchases or keeping stuff longer are all powerful climate strategies. I think we've just had something like that in one of the very recent uh, Climate Matters, maybe Climate Matters 85. Here it is again. It's uh, not a problem that's going to go away as long as we pursue our, our consumer society. And of course, Christmas time is a time we really do tend to pursue that. Well, on that note, I'm going to love you and leave you and say thank you very much for your company. I do hope I enjoy it again next week. And in the meantime, kia kaha for the climate. The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM, the Top of the South's community access media station, with support from New Zealand On Air. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details.